Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is a mini-pod to preview our match on Sunday against Sampdoria. Before I get to the preview though, I'd just like to announce that we are now on Patreon. A few people have very kindly reached out to me to see how they can support the show, so this was the solution that I came up with. I'm doing it a little bit differently though. With most shows on Patreon, you need to pay to access at least some of the content, if not all of it. This show and all of its content will remain entirely free to all of our valued listeners. The Patreon account is entirely voluntary, no obligations, no pressure, you can join or cancel anytime you like, and I promise I am not going to pester you about this. I'm probably going to mention it just once a month in case there are any new listeners who might want to support the show, but you can find the show at patreon.com forward slash Pod. Thank you so, so much to all of you who have already signed up. It really does mean a lot to me, honestly. Of course, there are other ways you can support the show as well. If you listen on Apple and Spotify, you can rate the podcast and or leave us a review. And you can follow us on all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Alright, so let's get to the preview. We play against Sampdoria on Sunday at 16.30 local time, which is 10.30 Eastern time for those of you in North America. A lot has changed at Sampdoria since the last time we played against them. The most notable change was their owner Massimo Ferrero stepped down after he was arrested in December for alleged financial crimes not related to the club. So the club's chief operations officer Alberto Bosco has taken over the reins of the club on an interim basis. Sampdoria come into this match sitting in 15th in the table tied with Udinese on 20 points. But Udinese have a game in hand. Roberto Diversa's team has only one win in their last six matches, which was against lowly Genoa. Their most recent result was a 2-1 loss to Cagliari. Curiously, Cagliari only have two wins all year, and both of them were against Sampdoria. The Blue Cherkati didn't just lose the match, though. They lost a few players as well. First, Maya Yoshida pulled up while defending a corner kick early in the second half. Then at the end of the match, just before stoppage time, Antonio Kendreva picked up a red card for a bit of a clothesline type tackle 
on Andrea Carboni. Carboni made a meal of it, but you can't get your arm up in the neck area of a player like that. That was a really foolish move from a veteran player like Kandreva, and it's a huge loss for Sampdoria. He's probably been their best player all season. Apparently, Alex Ferrari picked up a knock during the match as well, but he's been named to the Sampdoria squad for Sunday, so I imagine his injury was not too serious. Then on Saturday, reports surfaced that Bartosz Brzezinski is suspected to have suffered a muscle injury in training, so he was not named to the squad either. They all joined what was already a long list of players who will not play in this match. Omar Kali is currently representing Gambia at the Africa Cup of Nations. Vladimiro Falcona is out due to COVID. Valerio Vera and Mikel Damsgaard are both injured as well. And Tommaso Augello just returned from COVID, so we'll have to see what condition he is in to play. On a positive note, Thomas Rincon will be in the squad. He was brought in on loan from Torino to replace Adrian Silva, who left to join UAE club Alwada. Of course, Napoli are missing a lot of players as well. I don't think I need to list them all off again, but I'll give you a few updates. First, Kalidou Koulibaly tested positive for COVID while he was away at AFCON. Obviously, he wasn't going to play in this match, but we wish Kalidou a quick recovery. Piotr Zelinski tested positive for COVID on Saturday, which created all kinds of drama because he was one of the three players that the ASL Napoli Due said should have to quarantine. I covered why they were able to play last episode, which is because the new rules don't come into effect until January 10th. Those three players also had multiple negative tests ahead of the Juventus match, but in any event, Zelinski will not be able to play in this one. The club also officially announced the signing of Axel Twanzebe on loan from Manchester United. According to Fabrizio Romano, it's a dry loan for €600,000 plus up to another €600,000 in bonuses. We'll see if he gets into the squad. The reports are that Spalletti wants him in the squad, even if he'll only have one training session under his belt. But I've also seen reports that the registration process could take time and we would have to terminate a contract in order to register him, and the most likely contract that would be terminated is Fauzi Gulam's, who we might not be able to part with just yet given that Mario Rui is still positive for COVID. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Sampdoria typically line up in a 4-4-2 with Emil Aldero in goal. Diversa's preferred backline is Augello, Kali, Yoshida, and Berzinski, but three of them are not in the squad and Augello may not even be fit to start. For that reason, I wouldn't be surprised if Diversa went with a 3-4-2-1 instead of the 4-4-2, which he has used once this season, but I'm going to stick with the 4-4-2. I think Julian Chabot and Alex Ferrari will start at center back. If Augello is fit to start, he will play at left back, otherwise we'll probably see Nicola Muru there. Even though he's a center back, I'm going to go with Radu Dragusin to start at right back simply because he's the only defender left in the squad. With Kandreva and Vere out, the only players I can see starting on the wings are Christopher Askelson and Morten Thorsby, so I'll go with Askelson to start on the left and Thorsby to start on the right. That means one of Ronaldo Vieira and Thomas Rincon would start in the center of the midfield alongside Albin Ekdal, and I'm going to give it to Vieira just because Rincon is so new to the squad. Finally, I think we'll see the usual duo of Chicho Caputo and Manolo Gabbiadini up top. For Napoli, I think we'll see almost the exact same squad we fielded against Juventus. With Alex Meret still positive for COVID, David Ospino will start again in goal. Even if Twanzebe is in the squad, there's no way he starts, so Juan Jesus and Amir Rachmani will start again at centre-back. With Mario Rui still positive, I was tempted to say that Alessandro Zanoli would start over Gulam at left-back, 
but we play again midweek, and since the midweek fixture is a Coppa Italia match, I think it's more likely that Zanoli starts in that match instead of in this one, so I'm going to go with Gulam to start again. Giovanni Di Lorenzo will start at right back. Fabian Ruiz did personalized training over the last few days, so it doesn't look like he'll be fit to start. That means Diego Deme and Stanislav Botka will start again in the double pivot, and I think they deserve to start again after the performance they had against Juventus. Lorenzo Insigne will start on the left wing, and Matteo Politano will start on the right wing. As I said, Piotr Zielinski is now positive for COVID, so I think we're going to see Elif Elmas start in the number 10, and Dries Mertens to start at striker. Like Zanoli, I think it's more likely that Andrea Petania starts midweek against Fiorentina than in this match, so he will probably be on the bench. So those are our starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is that we simply cannot have another letdown performance. That's already happened twice this season. We beat Leicester City in our final group stage match in the Europa League, which was a match we needed to get a result in, and then we followed that up with a 1-0 loss to Empoli in Serie A. Then after we beat Milan 1-0 in the league, we lost to Spezia, which was our final match before the winter break. We didn't beat Juventus, but given the circumstances, that was a very good result, as I spoke about in our review pod with Francesco and Daniel. So really, over the last five matches in all competitions, we've alternated really positive results with letdown matches. Now, I know we're missing a lot of players, and I'm usually the guy that uses that as my explanation for why we didn't get a good result, but we simply must find a way to take all three points from Sampdoria. In fact, we can't even use the missing players excuse because they are missing players as well. My second key to the match is probably an obvious one, and that is that we need to stop Manolo Gabbiadini. The former Napoli player is absolutely on fire at the moment. He has six goals and two assists in 14 appearances this season, but all six of those goals were scored in Sampdoria's last six matches. He scored exactly one goal in each of those matches. That means this is already his second highest scoring season since his first season with Napoli, which was in the 2014-15 campaign. He scored 8 goals that season with Napoli, and he scored 11 goals with Sampdoria in 2019-20, so he's definitely on pace to have the best season of his career. What's amazing is that almost every goal he scored this year has been different. Against Fiorentina and Genoa, he scored with headers perfectly placed in the bottom corner. Against Lazio, he received the ball in the area with his back to goal and spun and shot with his preferred left foot into the bottom corner. Against Venezia, he scored with a first-time hit into the top corner. That was a beautiful team goal in the opening minute of that match. He scored a typical poacher goal against Roma, poking in the ball from the goal line after Rui Patricio stopped Omar Kali. And then finally on Thursday, he smashed a volley past Cagliari goalkeeper Alessio Cranio after a gorgeous chest pass by Yoshida. With that goal, he became only the second player in Sampdoria history to score at least a goal in six consecutive matches, so we definitely need to stop Manolo Gabbiadini. We definitely have the size at center back to stop both Caputo and Gabbiadini. The question is, do we have the pace? We'll also need our backline to be in constant communication because one of the challenges with marking Gabbiadini is that he's constantly in motion. My third key to the match is probably another obvious one, and that is that we need to take advantage of Sampdoria's weakened back line. Sampdoria didn't exactly have the best goal-scoring record even before they started losing players to injury. Coming into this match, Sampdoria had conceded 37 goals, which is nearly 2 goals per game. 
Only four teams have conceded more goals than they have, and that's Spezia, Cagliari, Genoa, and Salernitana, which are the bottom four teams in the league. Meanwhile, despite all of our injuries, we still have the fewest goals conceded in Serie A. Inter have now caught us on 15 goals, but presumably their match against Bologna will be rescheduled, so if they concede in that match, then we could still have the fewest goals conceded in the league. Either way, we're averaging less than a goal conceded per match, so if we score two in this one, we will probably get the win. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-0 Napoli win. I'll give the goals to Dries Mertens and Lorenzo Insigne. Yes, I'm calling it Insigne scores in this match, and it won't be from the spot. It will be his first goal in Serie A from open play this season. I suspect he's going to be received with mixed feelings at the Maradona, of course. This is his first match he's playing after Toronto FC officially announced his signing. There have been updated reports on his salary. According to Alfredo Pedula, who's normally very reliable, Toronto FC will pay him 44 million euros over five and a half seasons, which works out to 8 million euros per season. That is net salary. It's more like 15 million euros gross. So it's not quite as high as what was originally reported, but that is still an MLS record. On the subject of Insignia, I got a question from friend of the pod, Jonathan Yaya. He asked, does Insignia leaving for Canada say a lot about the state of Serie A at this moment in time? Just he has so much more to offer. Initially, my immediate answer was no, but as I thought about this question more, you could make the argument that the transfer actually does say something about the current state of the league. The reason I initially said no is because I think this offer from Toronto FC is more than what any other club in Europe would be willing to pay for Insigne for reasons I've explained in previous episodes. It's certainly more than Napoli are willing to pay him, but there are other reasons why he's going to Toronto FC. One is because he wants his kids to experience different parts of the world and learn different languages. English is certainly a useful language to learn, though he could have also done that in England, which is much closer to Italy than Canada is. Another reason is because he didn't want to play against Napoli and going to MLS ensures that. Again, he could have gone to another team in Europe, but there's still a small chance they meet in a European competition. And like I said, I just don't think the offers were there from other European clubs. In terms of the state of the league, I would say it's happy on the field, but sad off of it. I would argue that Serie A is the most entertaining of the top five leagues at the moment. There's plenty of goals. There hasn't been this much competition since the glory days of the early 90s. You have seven or eight teams that are really good and can beat anyone on any given day. And even the mid-table teams often pull off upsets. So at least in terms of the quality of football, I think the product is actually very, very good. However, Serie A is in a poor state financially. And that's because of the people who are running the league and how they are running it, which includes the 20 owners. The midweek round was a perfect example of that. Everyone knew that the logical thing to do was to postpone the round. Instead, they insisted that the teams play. In fact, they even made a new rule on the day of the round to ensure that everyone either played their match or forfeited their match. That means they're forcing teams to appeal and most likely those matches will be rescheduled. So now the table is not balanced. Nearly half of the teams in the league will have to play a makeup game. And what's really sad is that none of us are surprised by this because they've been doing things like this for years. Over the summer, they passed up a multi-billion dollar media deal while clubs were really struggling financially due to the pandemic. And that's why you can make the argument that it is the sad state of the league that I think 
made it easier for Insigne to leave. That is, if the league was better managed, every club would be making more money and perhaps De Laurentiis would have been better able to offer him a higher salary. If De Laurentiis offered him 5 to 6 million euros net, I think Insigne accepts the offer and stays in Napoli, but he didn't offer that. He offered 3.5 million, which is less than half of what Insigne will make at Toronto. But who knows, maybe even if the league was making more money, De Laurentiis still might not have budged on his offer, which is another reason why Insigne's departure is not likely because of the state of the league. So thanks for the question, Jonathan. Always happy to answer yours or anyone else's questions on the podcast. Back to my prediction though, I think Insigne scores in this game and hopefully those jeers turn into cheers, not just for this match, but for the balance of the season. Perhaps that's wishful thinking on my part, but I'm really hoping he has a strong second half of the season with the weight of this contract negotiation lifted off his shoulders. I think both teams will have makeshift back lines, but we are more likely to control the run of play. We've had enough bad luck this season, we don't need any more of it, like we saw against Empoli with the Cutrone goal off the back of his head, and against Spezia with the Juan Jesus own goal. But that's why it's so important that we score two goals in this match, because then even if you do concede one of those weird unlucky goals, you will probably still win the match. So that will do for this preview, I hope you enjoy the match. Before I let you go, this week's song of the week is Pino Daniele's Terra Mia. I chose that song because this week was the 7th anniversary of his passing. Pino Daniele is an absolute legend of the Napolitan music scene, so we'll honor him here with our latest Napolitan song of the week. That will do for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fortsanopoly Pod. I'll be back next week to review this match and to preview our next one, which is against Fiorentina and the Coppa Italia. In case you haven't heard, the league has moved that game from Wednesday to Thursday. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network.